there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes. We're talking about episode seven of Dark today. We're doing this episode, Crossroads. I'm here with Lindsay Dunn from one of my stories. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy, Steve. Rocky waters ahead. Yeah, that's right. And we got our captain, and we got a lot of our captain this episode, too. (laughs) A lot of Mr. Uh, Ike Larson there. Well, I don't know if it's a lot, but it's more than we've seen in a while. I was like, yep, he pops up. Yeah, we get a good close-up of him, and he talks for Mm -hmm. a long time, so we get a good good look at his face. And it's, you know, it's. I'll just start out saying with this, that I think it's um, interesting, like how... Okay, how shabby he's looking here as the stranger. You know, obviously, he's disheveled and he has a crazy look about his eyes. I remember, like, me and Nate, like, two, like, heterosexual men, like, talking about how attractive Ike Larson was and how strikingly handsome and what, like, you know, you know, perfect male kind of situation. So it's really funny seeing, going back and seeing him as this stranger dude. Mm-hmm. I think isn't the last time we saw him on the dark he mm-hmm. took his suitcase and went into the cave right That's so correct. He, yes you know so that you mentioning he looks more shaggy here unkempt mm-hmm. is yeah it makes it it makes it mysterious because we're like well where did he go right that he got <laughs> that darn dirty you know <laughs> Correct, and we know it wasn't the Prometheus. We know we're we're stuck here in the in the dark world. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I wanted to back up a little bit. I think you did too. We wanted to um, retouch on last episode. Um, we had Regina tied to the tree there, and right. okay, Regina, daughter of Claudia, they're Tiedemans, mm-hmm. correct? The Tiedemann family, yes. Tiedemanns. Okay, right. So. Um, we had, I mentioned in the last podcast, I um, said it was like, a, it reminded me of a Greek myth where we had mm-hmm. a, um, a person, a goddess, Andromeda, um, chained to a tree. I was wrong about that. She was chained to like the rocky shores. And it wasn't, she wasn't chained there so the tide could come in and sweep her away, which is what I thought. I got mm-hmm. the myth kind of wrong, but I, you kind of encouraged me and told me I was, you know, might be onto something here. Mm-hmm where she was um, actually tied to the shores to be fed to a monster. The monster is named um, Cetus. It's C-E-T-U-S. C-U-T-U-S. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason that her parents, you know, did that was to appease her, sacrifice her. And instead of letting that happen, Perseus, the Greek god, like rushed in to save her. Um, took her off, you know, rescued her from where she was chained up, getting ready to get sacrificed to the monster, and she became a queen um, later on. And mm-hmm. whatever, can't, I can't remember the name of the kingdom, and I didn't write it down, unfortunately. But she was a queen, and it made me think about Regina. And you mentioned an interesting fact, um, too, that her name means queen, right? Right. Regina means queen. And we had we talked about in the chat, we were thinking, well, she is kind of the queen. Regina is the queen yeah. of Wyndon uh, because she is the daughter of Claudia mm-hmm. who ran the power plant. And she's now the wife of Alexander, who now runs mm-hmm. the power plant. 
right and they run the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like she's the queen no matter how you look at it, whether she's <laughs> Alexander's queen or whether she's the queen regent, you know, from um, Claudia getting handed down. I'm not sure how, I guess we'll find out later how Alexander got the um, power plant and how she didn't, Regina herself. But yeah, I, I really it strongly reminded me of that myth. And the more I looked into it, the more parallels I was seeing. And I think we might be onto something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in fact, I believe in a couple episodes, we do get to find out more about Regina. Obviously, we won't spoil those here, but some of the things you've mentioned in the story, I'm kind of like, oh, that ties even even better. Oh, now, it would have been great if the myth it did was like the girl tied to the tree instead of the rocks, <laughs> but I feel like the, the heart, the soul, heart and soul is still there because I, I kept looking up myth girl tied to tree and I did come up with some there was the myth that kept coming up a different myth about a tree but it was a slightly different story and the one that you mentioned about Andromeda seems to fit our narrative a little bit better we got a bingo <laughs> <laughs> very good well I um yeah that's what I had to go on this week that's that's the only backup I had to do did you have any uh, any news for us this week or anything going on not in the world of Wyndon, no. Mm-mm. Okay, yep, we're gonna stick to the world of Wyndon, of course. <laughs> and um, yeah, we got episode seven here, Crossroads. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you take the recap if you're ready to, to roll into this. Uh, I sure am. This, this episode starts with a bang as far as I'm concerned because uh-huh. we have a brand new character uh-huh. to show up on the screen uh-huh. that we've never seen before. Yes. A little boy dressed primly in shorts and a sweater and a blazer. He reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of one of those kids in the family Von Trapp from Sound of Music. You're absolutely right. Little adorable <laughs> boy. I, I think he's going to break into song, but he didn't. <laughs> and his face, this whole entire side of his face is bloody. And it was it was interesting because... I would, if I was a little kid, his size, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know that we know how old he is based on just his image alone, but it sure. looks like whatever happened must have been pretty painful. But yet he's, he's sort of waking up and he's not like, ow, 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 or like, I'm hurt. Right. He's, he's just more amazed that he's in this space, in this room. Not unusual to get like a, um, a head injury like that and not actually feel the pain because I was a recipient of such. I was skateboarding and I like hit my head uh, really hard, smacked it on concrete, but it was mm. s- super smooth concrete. Um, mm. And it hit it so hard it split my skin open and did not bleed. Um, <laughs> but it did not have any pain either. Like I didn't have the pain until later when I had like really bad headaches for the next few days. But at mm-hmm. the time it wasn't much pain. It was just more of like an inconvenience. Like, oh my God, I got to get stitches now. Um, but I think he might be in the same boat too. Maybe he was hit just right. Cause it looked like he was hit with something. He's really, it's really hard to look at him with all that blood. I know it's fake blood, but you know, I get, disgustos looking at stuff like that and I was getting squeamish looking at the poor guy yeah and the image actually I'm I'm looking at it right here on the on the recap Mm -hmm. it almost looks like some of the blood 
is blackened and dried. Yes. So I noticed that too. There, there could have possibly been a delay between when he got this injury and he's waking up in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's there waking is up still for the first some. Time. Yeah, there's still some red redness to it. So, um, but yes, of course, we're wondering well, what happened to this kid. He's also waking up in the torture room that we, we, uh, we know well. established as a scary place. We've had nightmares about it. Yes, we know. <laughs> and the room looks very lived in was another thing I noticed is that the sure, stuffed animals, sure. we've seen this room before mm-hmm. and it looked pretty, I don't know, almost like designer catalog, how neat and tidy it was. Right. And now here's the stuffed animals are kind of askew. The bed is unmade and there's a tray of food, but yet he looks, it looks like this kid has just arrived in the room. Yeah. So is it possible that, you know, the last person we saw in this room was Eric. We know Eric is now, um, as long as this continuous or, you know, in chronological order, Eric was here and now he's not. So has the room been cleaned up since Eric or is this still? Right. yeah. It looks pretty obvious who this kid is too. And we learn in this episode and matching from like the facial scars that we can plainly see on Helge's face this episode too. You know, it mm-hmm. seems pretty clear that this is Helge. So I think this didn't happen the same. I mean, I know we're dealing with weird timelines here, um, but it doesn't seem to me that this just happened, that Eric was the one that was there before Helge. It seems like Helge, of course, is waking up from a dream here and he's remembering this happening. So I'm assuming that this happened when he was a kid. So which would take us back to like the 40s or 50s, right? Well, that is assuming that Helge is right now in the 40s or 50s. As a kid, you mean? Right. Right, yeah, because it seems like that room is like stuck in the 80s or something because it's certainly not like this in 2019. Right. Is it possible that he came, somehow has come through time Mm -hmm. and is now, like he could be from an earlier time and he's now in the 80s and of course we know he's also in that 1980s timeline as a young man, but we've already seen that people can be in different timelines, right? We had, right. Um, we've had Noah now in in two different timelines. We've seen the stranger in two different timelines, and they're the same age. So, yeah, well, but this is getting convoluted trying to explain this. <laughs> but I, I guess what 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 we should maybe take away from this scene is that this kid is Helge, um, like you said. And we know that because we see him waking up from a nightmare and that is a a theme that repeats itself throughout the show is that a character will be um, having, will see a vision of something happen and then the next moment the character's waking up in bed. Um, The same as in 1899. So here's, we get to meet little Helge for the first time. Yes. And boy, he is cute looking. He is like him. He's given little Yazin a run for his money when it comes to cuteness. <laughs> like even with all that goop on his face. I mean, I guess with the goop on his face, I got to give it to Yazin because he's easier to look at uh, with all the blood. <laughs> but um, yeah, you ruined my 1899 joke. I was going to say the same thing because that's how this episode started with uh, Maura Franklin telling him to wake up. And yeah. there he was in the room. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I am. Um, I think we covered all my notes for that scene because it seems like, yeah, it's Hellgate and this is like the Hellgate episode of right. Dark so far because we're seeing like little, middle, and old Hellgate a lot. Mm-hmm. He does say, I remember, I remember everything. That's right. what he says when he wakes up. So we're wondering. What is it you remember exactly? <laughs> yep. Well, I guess he remembers touching yeah. the electric chair. Um, oh yeah, because he touched he touches mm-hmm. the chair on the place that covers the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, after that scene is when we go to our credits, and this mm-hmm. is the credits like the credits for the show. Um, we've seen most of the stuff by now, like all the images that we're seeing during the opening credits and the cool song. We've pretty much seen all this stuff. But the couple things that we haven't seen are guns. Like, do you remember like any guns happening so far? Because there's three times in the credits where it shows like a gun being drawn. Another time there's a gun on a table and a gun slowly being lowered. And I don't remember any gunplay happening so far. Am I right about that? Right, yeah, I don't think. Okay, so we got some John Wick coming yeah, now up. I'm, now I'm kind of like, were there guns? Um, I think that sometimes it's hard to see in those mirror images what you're looking at. Oh, absolutely, so, um, though. I mean, yeah. I'll swear my life on it right now if I, if I can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, I was just going to bring that up as an aside. Was uh, We haven't seen any guns yet, but we're seeing guns in the intro. So I'm waiting to see some. some I'm, I'm hoping that no shooting happens because I, I don't like big action. I like this quiet. Mm. I like this episode too, I should say, because it's a nice um, linking episode where I wouldn't say like a anything huge. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess something huge does happen, but it's <laughs> more like a setup episode, I think. And I, these are my favorite types of episodes. So you don't want to see any frozen bullet scenes, for instance? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll watch them. They're fine, but I like I like quiet talking and I like setup and yeah. character development. That's my thing. So now, after the credits, we see a overhead shot of Winden and the electric lines. Oh yeah, are an, an area of focus here. We see the electric lines crisscrossing. And it's 1986, and Egon opens a panel in a door and looks inside where teenage Oryx sits mm-hmm. so that he can relish in the fact that <laughs> Oryx is in jail, I guess. And he captured um, this rapist kidnapper dude. <laughs> yeah. um, interesting, interesting order of scenes here because we have. This, the scene then changes from mm-hmm. there, from teenage Ulrich to adult Ulrich in 2019, and he's looking at Mad's grave. Right. And we know in the last episode, he found, discovered where his brother's body is, and now he's <laughs> looking at this empty grave. We then go back to 1986, where Mickle's in the hospital, standing in the hallway and looking at a print of the Emerald Tablet, which is kind of an odd piece of odd artwork to have in a hospital yeah. but okay i love it though i mean it's it's uh, visually it's great i mean yeah. i think representative representatively i'm not too sure it worked yeah it works for the show but then it kind of makes you wonder i guess is someone in the hospital and on this whole thing um because like uh-huh. it's not exactly 
you know, when I go to my dentist, there are images of puppies and kittens on the ceiling, Um, things to comfort kids, (laughs) right? not these creepy images um, that are um, about alchemy. (laughs) Comforting to someone, someone takes it and snuggles in bed with it later, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. We then see Jonas waking up in 1986 and he's been spending the night in a deer stand. I'm pretty proud of myself that I know what a deer stand is, Steve. But yeah. um, okay, <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, my daughter, yeah. my daughter dates a hunter, so I know he has a deer stand out there, and a lot of guys I work with do the same thing. And kudos to you. Mm-hmm. Have you spent the and night then, in one? Um, yeah. Once Jonas, he's he wakes up and he looks at his letter, and then puts it back in the backpack, and climbs down the deer stand. And then he's kind of walking across the field. And the music is so super creepy and awesome, but it's like, I am traveling into the darkness. <laughs> yep, into the unknown. <laughs> the feeling I got. <laughs> well, you blazed past me. I asked you if you've ever slept in a deer stand before overnight, have you? Since you know what they are. I have not slept in a deer stand, but I've been in a deer stand. Okay. Where a a friend, an old friend, took me to his family's, whatever you want to call it, land property sure. that was a, yeah. had a bunch of fields. And um, we spent the day firing different kinds of firearms with his dad supervising. It's a whole family of hunters. Yeah. And he showed us all the deer stands, and one of them was called Holiday Inn, <laughs> and it was the one that you, well, it was the most comfortable of all. <laughs> sure, yeah. But yeah. Dudes will spend all day in those things, and the rain and everything. I'm glad Jonas was able to find one. Maybe he kind of knew about that ahead of time. I needed mm-hmm. to, to talk about um, Ulrich's shirt here. That's my note I have for this paragraph. Okay, good. I was hoping you would have a note for that shirt. Yeah, it looks like a Batman logo, but it's not. It's um, There's a 1986 Swedish death metal band, and they're called Morbid. And that's the t-shirt that he's wearing. It's like, a, it's like an altered Morbid t-shirt because a couple of the letters are kind of looking funky there. It's absolutely what it is, and it fits right in with his character. Um, you know, like in Creator and other, you know, good metal. And also, I thought it also was appropriate, or not appropriate, but it just added another layer to his supposed guilt. You know, like he, there's an eyewitness saying he raped her and confirmed that they did have sex and she has her eye bruised up and he's wearing this shirt that says morbid on it. You know, it's like just makes it, look all the worse for him so Mm -hmm. not a good clothing choice that day okay yeah you had we talked about band names so far um being like sure bands like nazareth and creator and we were saying about them with how it wasn't really meant to represent Ulrich's taste but more the name of the band and there being a connection so I was like oh is there a connection there with Morbid as well or is this actually representative of the of Ulrich's taste in music I think yeah. maybe a little bit of both yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I didn't, um, I didn't have any other specific notes other than what we said about those scenes um unless you did it mm-hmm. sounds like you might yeah, the only other thing I wanted to say was that 
this is the first of many instances I feel like we get in this episode where there's doubling between Ulrich and Egon. Sure. That um, that thing, that theme we've already talked about, perhaps it was the last episode, but mm-hmm. it was the episode where he basically tells Charlotte that he became a policeman because he wanted to be everything that Egon wasn't. Right. And in this scene, there's a lot of instances where we discover Ulrich's actually following in Egon's footsteps in many ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If Egon sucked as bad as he thought, he wouldn't have some of these clues. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so then adult Auric enters the room where the medical examiner has been doing autopsies. Your friend. My friend is back. I the, love it. She's made it for four episodes now. She's a regular. Yeah, and I actually was, I meant to put her name down, but her name is like Edie or something like that. So she actually has a name. Her character has a name. Oh, great. Um, but so who knows how many many times she's going to show up again. She's totally friendly with these guys. <laughs> these guys being Charlotte and Ulrich. She's like friendly yeah. and, um, you know, chatty with them. Well, she's not exactly as friendly with Ulrich as she is with Charlotte because as soon as he comes in, she says, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh, well, I guess you're right. <laughs> it, they kind of had a different rapport than, than she does with Charlotte, but maybe this is indicative of the fact that Char- Charlotte is the one that does has been doing the heavy lifting, like you said. She's the mm-hmm. one that does most of the work. So maybe Ulrich doesn't come down there very often. Yeah. So she seems surprised to, to see him. She smiles a lot, though. I loved it. <laughs> well, she thought it was amusing, I feel like, his questions. She, she kind of laughs at him. Oh, we should get into um, that. What were the questions? <laughs> yeah, so she he asks her what will happen to the dead boy's body. And she mentions if it's not identified, the boy, the body will be cremated and buried in an anonymous grave. Mm-hmm. And then Ulrich asks again how long ago she estimated the time of death. She mentions that the body had been dead 10 hours before it arrived for the exam. And he asks, well, is it possible the body has been preserved for longer and she kind of, this is where she starts laughing, like, yeah. what do you mean, like, frozen? <laughs> um, no, I would have seen if it was frozen. And then she sees he's completely serious, so she's mm-hmm. like, how long are we talking about? And he says 33 years, and she kind of laughs again, because mm-hmm. she thinks he's just joking around. But um, she does... As a professional, <laughs> she can, she does, as a professional, tell him, again, that there would be traces in his tissue showing that freezing had occurred, if that was the case. Yes. But, I mean, he's on the right path. He's asking the right questions. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm encouraging Ulrich to continue with this, with this line of thinking. So, I'm with, I'm on his side. It was also touching, I think, that he's asking this question He's not just acting in his role of detective. We saw he was just looking at the grave. Yes. Where Mads, you know, Mads' grave. And he looks really sad. And so he's maybe wrestling with himself a little bit. What, maybe he would like something particular to be done with this body. Like maybe. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and we, we, we he, later he has a conversation with his mom. So we can, we can save that for then. But. I feel like he's asking for more for personal reasons than necessarily in his role of detective. 
sure yeah but he is putting things together though yeah so Jonas is now visiting Winden High School in 1986. <laughs> this is a this is a lot like the scene when Mickle shows up. I know this the, is even better than the scene that yeah. Mickle shows up. This one took because it, of it, the took song it to, choice. Because of the song choice. Because of all the kids. Like they they they, they brought all <clears throat> the crazies out for this one. <laughs> I well I don't know if they were necessarily. Did the kids seem crazier in the scene to you? Well, they seem more done up in 80s garb. Um, when Nickel mm-hmm. came through, they kind of just reminded me of like just normal 80s, whereas Jonas is like walking into like a hyper 80s situation. <laughs> <laughs> There's people vibing to songs, to the to the hair of headphones and other people just talking. Fantastic song choice, though. I ran mm-hmm. by Flock of Seagulls. He ran 33 years into the past. So obviously. <laughs> yeah, I tried looking at the lyrics to see if there was anything deep I could lean out of it and it's I a real base song <laughs> it's very base <laughs> yeah <laughs> I am happy to say to all the hater not haters out there but one thing one criticism I've seen of the show dark is that it's a very um one tone color one tone show with just like one color palette of people it's all mm-hmm. white people there's no diversity in this show whatsoever I'm happy to report that a black character bicycled <laughs> past Jonah as he walked into. He was wearing a blue hat and a red shirt. So get your get your red um, counter down. Um, so yeah, I saw him in a couple scenes. He was having a ball. We actually have some diversity in the show. So one black character takes care of it. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, thinking of the odds uh, in Germany, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so Jonas walks into the school and he sees the flyers about Mads Nielsen being um, missing. Now, this must be shocking to him because he's seen Eric, he's seen Mikkel, he's seen other... He's seen other characters. I guess Yasin had some posters as well. Well, he saw the same poster at the bus stop, too. This is the second time he's seen this poster. That's true. And... He walks inside the school and finds a young girl sitting against the wall. It's Regina Tiedemann. Yay. The queen. We're back with the queen again. Queen bee. <laughs> All hail. <laughs> and he asks what day it is. And she tells him it's November 9th, 1986. Mm-hmm. And she asks him if he's looking for someone. He tells her Michael Conwald. And Regina men- thinks about that and says, Conwell, that's the same name as Nurse Inez. So maybe you should look at the hospital. Perfect clue. And yeah, yeah. And then she gets pushed, Regina gets pushed against a locker. By a random reminding, bully. you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we already knew she was bullied by. Katarina and Ulrich, and here's um, just some more instances of this. Somebody even bigger than Katarina is pushing her around now. Like, this chick was like twice her size, I think, that like (laughs) bullied her. And, Mm -hmm. but she was surrounded by all those yellow hooks. Did you notice that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the coat hangers. Yeah, like she was surrounded by them the whole time. So I thought that was a, a, a comforting sight. I, um, my daughter, Charlotte, we did some skate. 
um, skate meet this weekend. And of course, all the skaters were wearing their um, their bright, colorful costumes. And I was taking note of everybody who was wearing yellow and everybody who was wearing red. And um, I was cheering on the people wearing yellow. And I was kind of wondering what was up with the people in red. Like, hmm, you guys going to start a fight over there? <laughs> Wait, why? so why do you think yellow? Why are you finding yellow comforting? Oh, because Mickle used it for his little magic trick and Jonas's okay. raincoat, of course. And this episode, I saw Egon wearing a yellow shirt, and he seems like he's on the side of good. Regina was, Regina, I mean, was surrounded by yellow hooks, and it just seems like that's like, like I don't know, a bright, bright, cheerful, sunny color. And red is like emotion. It's like that's like what people are wearing when they're fighting and they're like cheating on Ulrich and on the phone and stuff. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I see like red as the angry color. So all those girls wearing red. Oh. I yeah. Hope you come in last. Just kidding. Yeah. Well, yellow are always are also the color of the uh, the rain those nuclear waste barrels. So. Well, maybe those are good. Maybe they're full of like stuffed animals. We don't know what's in there. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I think it's it's a, just an interesting to say it's to say it's um comforting because I think color that's like caution or warning okay. or alert sure um yeah in the context of this show obviously we have different instances it's being used but i kind of think of it as attention um attention attention something important is happening um that's kind of my reigning theory about yellow right now is speaking yeah. of raining i mean whenever it's raining you put on that yellow raincoat and it protects you so you mm-hmm. take comfort in that protection anyway <laughs> <laughs> we can move on if you'd like yeah <laughs> so at the police station egon examines the photo of Oric and mads and <laughs> and puts a big question mark in black marker over right. Ulrich's body. I thought this was an interesting strategy um, for marking evidence. That was sloppy police work right there is what that was. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it's like, I don't know. Why didn't he just draw an arrow pointing at Ulrich? I don't know. It was just a weird, like, we already know you suspect Ulrich. Like, you have to remind yourself. <laughs> It's like he's marking up a yearbook, you know, circle yeah. the names of the boys you like, excel the names of the boys you don't like, or the people you don't like. He's like a little kid here, like, because I'm thinking about myself when I was a little kid and I first started buying like vinyl albums. So this would be like early 70s. And I remember like the first couple albums I bought were like Go-Go's Beauty and the Beat and like ACDC a Led Zeppelin album and I wrote, you know, I wrote my name in pen <laughs> on the back of, you know, <laughs> of the albums because that's, that's, that's what you do. That's what I did with my school books. So I wrote my name on my albums too, which is a big mistake because it, <laughs> it drops it in value immediately. Oh yeah. So yeah. Unless Egon, your name happens to be like, you know, one of the artists. On the yeah, Jimmy Page, that's right. <laughs> so his boss Martin Doring and right. I looked up I think I looked the name of the boss up for this episode because I even impressed myself I was like Martin Doring okay um, <laughs> but I think when I saw this guy I thought okay is this somebody you know because we had that sheep farmer that ended up being Katarina's dad right yeah. I was like 
is this guy one of the, you know, related to one of our key players and I just don't know it. So, um, but it's funny now, if you Google Martin Doring and Netflix Dark, you get, you get my recap. So, um, yeah, I'm like <laughs> awesome. one of the only people that's talked about Martin. <laughs> Let's get his name out there. Yeah. So he comes in with orders to go to the power plant and confirm who was on guard duty the night Mads disappeared. Perfect. Egon wants to ask if somebody else can do that job because he wants to harass Ulrich some more. He wishes Wa- he wishes Waller worked there, and he would get Waller to go down there and do it. <laughs> yeah, these orders, you know, they remind reminded me of Ulrich right away because Ulrich's been trying to also get, you know, even before this episode, yeah. we're trying to get we're the power plant is a key like area of suspect, so right. we are wanting to know who who was on guard that night and. Mr. You know, it was like Mr. Obendorf was working at the power plants. So they ended up, they ended up examining him. So, um, so Ulrich mentions that maybe Ulrich. Sorry, Egon mentions that Ulrich might actually be responsible for Mad's disappearance. His own brother, right? And Martin, I kind of like Martin here. He tells him he's three months away from retirement, and to remember that police investigation is done with evidence rather than hunches. That's correct. I mean, sometimes you gotta trust your gut and sometimes you need those hunches. I wouldn't have given Egon that advice there as his boss. I probably would have given him some leeway to go out with a bang and you know, work up until his last day, like working steadily. But yeah, he was telling him, you know, we got other people on this. I need you to go to the power plant. Do your thing, Egon, come on now. Mr. Retirement. Mm-hmm. We got a retired guy in our office too that just <laughs> will never leave. He'll never ever retire. Well, maybe maybe not all the advice that he gave him was warranted, but I do think his point here is he's seeing that Egon is he's wanting he's wanting Egon to work on this missing boy case and he's just fixated on Ulrich and I feel like that was good as his boss for him to recognize okay. you're barking up the wrong tree you know you need to you know get okay. stay with the business here Ul- Ulrich's in this cell so you don't need to be it's a teenage kid so I feel like he's um at the same time that's it's sort of a trope in in you know detective stories where the boss is sarcastic with you so it could just be a storytelling device Anything else on this scene? Uh, not on this scene in particular. I'm ready for the next one, but I've got to point out that Egon was wearing that yellow shirt. Mads mm-hmm. in the picture wearing that yellow shirt. A yellow right. sunshine shirt, as a matter of fact. Mads' sunshine. shirt. Yep. Yeah, Egon's yellow shirt is not quite as bright as the as the yellows that we, uh, we see, but it's yellowish. <laughs> he, <sweated laughs> he can't be wearing a bright yellow shirt. Um... <laughs> So Ulrich is sitting on the floor now, surrounded by a circle of papers that he has pulled out of his brother's case file, including the picture of himself with the question mark over it. Yeah, so. that's rad. I love like the the, <laughs> the tie-ins between the two times. It's awesome. Yeah. 
And this image has become an, a motif now where we have, we've seen the stranger doing this kind of thing. Yep. We've seen um, Who else in this Jonas show? doing this where you're sort of right. yeah. looking for clues with all of these papers laid out. And it just, it's kind of like, we're looking at this evidence too. So we're also investigating this at the <laughs> same time. So they almost become stand-ins for us as we're trying to puzzle everything out. That's right. Same things happened in Yellow Jackets this up this week. Somebody's doing the exact same thing, and then Barry also on HBO this week. They had one a, a, a gentleman who was doing the exact same thing in his garage, unbeknownst to everyone. He seemed like he had it all together, but he had like a crazy man board in his garage. Mm-hmm. Did we skip over? Um, no, we didn't. We haven't skipped over anything yet. Continue on, Lindsay. <laughs> So Egon has now shown up at the power plant in 1986. He's pressing the buzzer to gain entry and out comes middle-aged Helg who comes to answer this buzzer. And Egon tells him that his boss is wanting him to corroborate evidence about who was working that night that Mads went missing. Helg kind of fobs him off and says he can't really talk about that right now because he's on duty but he's going to make an appointment to visit the station. Egon is like, very good. Let's set the appointment right now. Mm-hmm. Um, smart <laughs> thing there, you know, like you got to strike when the iron's hot. You said you'd come, so let's just set a date and time. Right. So they make an appointment for Tuesday, but Egon still is doesn't hesitate to throw in a couple of preliminary oh. investigative questions. Yeah, Ulrich, some Ulrich stuff. Like, before I leave, Ulrich, huh? He sucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> I um, love how anytime you ask anybody about Ulrich, everybody's like, it's, I don't know, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. Even, <laughs> even Helge here is like, no, Ulrich has nothing to do with crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you see Ulrich that night? But this other why not forest road, isn't it quicker? Because he right. hears Helg say that he took the state the road. state road. Yeah. And Egon finds that very curious. Mm-hmm. And so does Ulrich. He thinks it's curious too. Mm-hmm. He makes up a fake excuse. Uh, Helge is pretty. It is Helge, right? Yeah. yeah. He's really suspicious, really nervous, really worried. It's written all over his face obvious lie about picking up something for his dad mm-hmm. um yeah he's terrible and you can tell that not he's terrible he's a terrible liar he's terrible at hiding his feelings here and his face is scarred you can tell his face is scarred here and i think mm-hmm. this is where like i first notice how badly his scar his face was because you mm-hmm. know yana talked about it either last episode or this episode and um yeah no you were just i think you were saying that his demeanor was very suspicious yep and i okay i i'm gonna do like a i I stepped out of the suspension of disbelief for a second here i know we're dealing with a time travel show i know i know i know but (laughs) he says let's meet how about the day after tomorrow tuesday Mm -hmm. that means today the day they're sitting here talking is sunday so jonas went to school on a Sunday, everybody's in school, everybody's working on a Sunday. I think that's a show mistake right here is what I'm getting at. Um, <laughs> this isn't part of the plot. Like, like Germany doesn't run on a Sunday like this. So I think they got a little something wrong there. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's true. Unless, 
Does do we know what the work week looks like for Germany? Uh, well, I know they don't have school on Sunday. Absolutely, it's a very religious, you know, country. I mean, they would absolutely be in church. They wouldn't be working mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Well, I don't know. Perhaps they wanted their days to, the, you know, match the, the calendar or whatever. Yep. Like, oh, in 1986, it. November 9th was on a Tuesday, so we're gonna say Tuesday. Um, but yeah, this that's this is very interesting, oh, Steve. But it's very what? nitpicky. I should make one of those annoying YouTube videos about it on the show. Dark episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> clearly and have like a I don't know I hate those videos <laughs> but that's what I'm doing yes. here is point pointing out a show error basically um <laughs> that's great podcasting <laughs> yeah I had a couple other questions about this too okay, okay. Egon his mm -hmm. last name what is it's his Tiedemann. last Tiedemann Egon Tiedemann he's mm -hmm. the police officer and he's the father of Claudia father of Claudia so like it seems like at this point, Claudia is like running the power plant right now. And he was saying something yes. in the car about how the power plants changed everything. I don't so why he couldn't just ask Claudia, just ask his own daughter. Um, I don't know why he had to be stopped at the gate and not let in when his own daughter is, you know, the plant. Maybe there's more to it than I realize. Maybe they're estranged because I haven't seen them hang out yet. But I just thought that was I just made that connection. And I was like. Well, wait a second. What's Helge's last name? He's a Doppler, right? Is that correct? He's a Doppler, yes. Okay, because yeah, I'm I'm just trying to get these people like straight in my mind, like whose parents mm -hmm. are who and who's in what place. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it seems like Egon could have just talked to his daughter there, but maybe there's a reason he did not. Yeah. I think it's, I think, I could be wrong, but I feel like it's protocol that when you when you you try to you try to investigate the suspect themselves without intervention from a third party if he had trouble finding Helge and he couldn't locate him then he might go to Claudia to um, to say like have you heard from Helge but he was wanting <laughs> I mean you bring up a good point it's like I don't know why wouldn't he corroborate the shift change with with Claudia unless right. he said like you know maybe he, things are strained between him and his daughter but I also think they wanted to show the doubling between him and Ulrich right because Obviously. Ulrich did this he has did this very similar thing where he went to the gate and was trying to ask questions through it so yeah I think it's mainly because of that they're, these time jumps and like these parallels are just fascinating the way they're showing up at the power plant at the same time they're going into the caves and I, I just love it I love like the scene to scene going the, the time jumps I love it that's all mm -hmm. you can continue yeah. <laughs> yeah well another okay I just thought of another thing um again we're being nitpicky but it's also I think a lot of times when you do an investigation they're trying to do it casually if he was approaching Claudia, that would be an official, like, we are officially investigating you oh, as opposed to like, right. we're sort of, we're not investigating you, we're just, we're just checking our information. And you try okay. to make it casual, 
so that you because then people start clamming up and wanting lawyers and all that kind of stuff. So he's trying to take that casual approach right, um, right. initially before he takes more official steps. Okay. I'm going to go with that, Steve. All right. Yeah, I'll go with you there. <laughs> All right. Let um, me, do you mind yeah, if I get ahead. a break before we continue? Sure. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, we're going to take a break, y'all. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey, guys, it's Michael. Roy. And Travis. With the Bad Potatoes Podcast. We talk about movies, pop culture, and TV, but mostly movies. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify by searching the Bad Potatoes Pod. You can also find us on Instagram at Bad Potatoes Pod, on Twitter at the Bad Potatoes Pod underscore, and on YouTube at Bad Potatoes Podcast. Please comment, follow, listen, subscribe, and don't forget to smash potato that like button. We appreciate it. Hello, everyone. We are back. And I think our next scene is going to take us into 2019. Is that right, Lindsay? Yeah. So back in 2019, Ulrich is looking at that same journal that Egon used and finds the note saying, why not Forest Road? Yes. Ulrich finds the file of people who were questioned from the power plant and finds the information that Helg was scheduled to come to the police station for an appointment, but he never showed up. I didn't think he was going to. He looked he looked too nervous and too <laughs> too shifty. I'm not surprised at all he didn't show. Yeah, he looked a little shady about the whole thing. Oh, so Oh, I think I know why he didn't go. <laughs> later later on in this episode, Peter says something about an accident that Helge had in nineteen eighty six. So maybe that accident interfered with it somehow. Oh. He well he tells yeah, let's let's mark let's bookmark this to talk yeah. about when we get there because we have the date. Yes. That. Um, yeah, today is, no, the date today is of November ninth. Is what Regina okay. told us. Okay. That was nineteen eighty six, yeah. though. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. November ninth, nineteen eighty six. Okay, so at another part of town, Charlotte has the search warrant. Uh, Waller brought it to her while she was on the phone with somebody. She was having some kind of a phone call about an earthquake she felt. Right. Yeah. Which I don't remember that in the episode, but I guess maybe about the same time the lights were flickering. I do. Yeah, the lights were flickering and she was at her car in the dark and she was kind of like keeping balance, like going like this with her arms like she had a like she was feeling okay. it. That was last episode. So Waller comes in, gives her that search warrant. She does not tell Ulrich this information and goes by herself. Yep. Well, you know, he's a wild card when it comes to that power plant. That wouldn't be a great idea to take him back there. I think that was a smart move. Maybe it was, but still, they're supposed to be partners, and you know he would want to go. Okay, yeah, fair. Yep. <laughs> um, so when she arrives... There, she has a lot of police cars and all this extra manpower. This is what I'm saying. Why wouldn't she bring Ulrich? Mm, okay, um, gotcha. So Alexander comes to greet them, accompanied by all of his heavily armed <laughs> dudes, his yeah. security guards. But Charlotte shows him the search warrant, and he just doesn't have a choice. He has to let her in. 
not a word spoken this whole scene i love it mm-hmm and this and Ulrich calls and tells charlotte that Helg was supposed to be questioned but failed to show up in 1986. So he even calls her while she's on the power plant <laughs> grounds and she doesn't bring this up once. Um, so he just, yeah, go ahead, sorry. I didn't make that connection at the time that um, that Ulrich wasn't there and she didn't invite him along. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm just thinking off the cuff here and I do think, I guess it was intentional just based on the last time he was there she was like i want us to go yeah. search it i want us to canvas the area i don't want any trouble i don't want ulrich in there yelling at people mm -hmm. yeah i mean it was probably a wise move but i think if ulrich found out he'd be pretty pissed i think he's on his like <laughs> last leg right now because you know one more thing happens and he's gonna get suspended so i'm mm -hmm. just waiting for that moment to happen <laughs> yeah but Ulrich does call her and and mentions that Helg was supposed to be questioned but failed to show up. Charlotte reminds him that Helg has dementia. So <laughs> even though he's acted weird the last few days, that doesn't make him guilty of murder. Because Ulrich's bringing up the fact that, oh, well, he was at the cabin the night that Yassin went missing. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of doing the same thing that yeah. Egon's doing was doing with Ulrich. He's just fixated on Helg and is convinced that he's the guilty party, which makes him a bad, you know, which makes that lousy detective working when you only <laughs> chase one lead, especially when it's oh. not solid. It's very paper thin. I guess you're right, but I just I just respect his tenacity and like I know he's on the right mm -hmm. path, so. I'm kind of yeah. encouraging it because I just like to see him uncover things like an onion, like this one little piece at a time. I, I really enjoy watching it. So I'm giving him a pass because I, I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's this is this is what detective shows are made. Police procedurals are made of, of that detective with tenacity that doesn't give up even when it looks like they're wrong. So that's <laughs> what we're we're trained to like at the same time. It's only good detective work if the person's on the right track. <laughs> um, and that sort of remains to be seen right now. We we True. do know that Helg knows more than he's letting on. But the fact that this is really the only lead the Ulrich is pursuing may, you know, makes it sus, I feel like, that he's he tends to get fixated on one person. Um, but again, I think they're doing that because we're seeing how Ulrich is, has let his, he lets his prejudices against people, um, short-sightedness about people sort of lead him to make very rash decisions. And he's not, yeah. he doesn't think clearly because like he, like what happened with Regina, you know, he's just rushing to the next thing, going from... <laughs> Point it, you know, he's just True. like rushing from one thing to another, just desperate to get answers. Well, he does sit there in his son's room and stare at the papers for a while. So he is, he is thinking about stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I do want to get um, back to Charlotte, but we have to talk about Jonas yeah. before we can get back to her. So yeah, I'm with you here. Okay. Jonas walks in the rain and Egon stops to pick him up automatically suspicious of this new stranger. 
and I think this this adds to my to my statement before that I said Egon hates kids. Um, you know, <laughs> teens in particular. He was nice to Mickle, but with Jonas, you know, once he starts questioning you, he's just not going to let up. He's like, "Shouldn't you be in school? Why didn't your parents take you? Where does your where does your parent where do your parents work?" It's kind of like under the skin, Steve. I mean, I mean. Yeah, but I disagree. I, I, I thought he was actually pretty cool with Jonas. I mean, he was concerned. There was a kid, obviously a kid, walking down the road, so gives him a ride. That's unusual. Um, he, Jonas doesn't give him very good answers, and it's obvious he's holding something back. And Egon's a detective. He can pick these things up. So I think he knows that Jonas is lying. But he's still going along with it, and he still gives him a ride to the hospital, and he doesn't like walk him inside and take him to reception and say he is here for his arm. He just drops oh, him off and true. it's like later. And then like they're talking about the headphones and like he's, you know, giggling a little bit with Jonas there. Um, when he took the shortcut, I was a little nervous. I was like, <laughs> what's gonna happen? I don't like this at all. But it actually was a shortcut, so that was okay. <laughs> But yeah, I had, a, I had a different perspective. I thought Egon was fine here, and I thought it was Jonas that I was frustrated with, because I was like, okay, this is why you didn't get in the car with your mom and your grandpa the other night, because you didn't want to get asked a bunch of questions that you weren't able to handle, and didn't have good answers for. So you've mm -hmm. had a good while now to think about some a good cover story, and he has not <laughs> come up with a good cover story. See, I see that differently, Steve. Okay. Um, I feel like Jonas was pretty smart here. Okay. Because he finds a way to tell the truth. He asks him, why aren't you in school? Or why didn't your parents drive you? And he mentions, my father is dead. Yeah. My mother is at work. And then he tells him, well, where does she work? And he very smartly says, the, power, the power plant. plant. Yeah, because that's there true. are so many people that work at the power plant that. She, plus, she does work at the power plant. <laughs> that's, that's where she true. gives them her, the massages. That's true. So everything was a bald face <laughs> truth. <laughs> and Jonas really was going to the hospital. Maybe he wasn't going because he's sick, but he really is going to the hospital. He's not doing anything shady. He's coming to try to get help the same way Mickle did. Mickle went to like the people he knew or maybe thought he right. could count on. Right. He went to the police station, he goes to mm -hmm. the school. Jonas is going to the hospital where one of his relatives works. So he's very like, just like Egon and Ulrich are doubling, Jonas and Mickle are doubling okay. the steps that, that Mickle is taking. So I thought that I don't know, I was really proud of Jonas here, how he acted, and I didn't, I didn't, I saw Egon, you're right that he didn't go into the hospital, but maybe he doesn't like getting wet. Um, plus, he needed to get back <laughs> to harass Ulrich, but I thought the way he was asking questions wasn't kind. It, I mean, it wasn't mean, but he was just, he was just suspicious, and okay. it's okay if you're suspicious, but you can talk to somebody in a conversational way. Um, sure. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. But I gotta say, it wasn't raining when he dropped Jonas off. This rain comes hard, and then mm -hmm. it stops, and it doesn't leave any puddles. So, like, this is yeah. some crazy wind and rain. Yeah. It wasn't raining when he dropped him off, is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, I thought that we brought out Jonas's smile nicely in this episode. 
Um, and it was Egon who brought out that huge smile when Egon <laughs> asked Jonas about Satanism and how kids, are any kids into Satanism? And Jonas mm-hmm. just openly like laughs before he collects himself and gives Egon like a serious answer, like no, that's, that's not mm-hmm. a thing. And <laughs> I love that moment. Um, yeah, that was that was funny also about the earphones, the earbuds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's like, What are those? And Jonas is like, They're ear you know, it's like it almost it becomes a comedy for a minute, you know, yeah, where he's it like does. you put them in your ears and he just Ulrich e I mean, Egon just doesn't believe him. Um and yeah, it the laugh that Jonas did here was the kind of the same one that he it reminded me of the laugh when he's with Bartosh and Bartosh mentions I talked to Eric's dealer and then Jonas is kind of like he <laughs> he laughs really quickly like what um so he's yeah he it, it was that same laugh but more of that please I love it <laughs> yeah so back in 2019 Charlotte has taken Ulrich's call to heart but doesn't really tell him she's because she sort of tells him like he just has dementia there's nothing to it but <laughs> she does follow up on this hunch because right. she is a good detective steve well, yeah she sees that like sad road and like where a car could have been so absolutely follow that road heck yeah and mm-hmm. i love the way she says it twice helg is dement i love the <laughs> way she like stresses that dementa <laughs> yeah this was a this was also a cool another doubling thing here because Egon takes this shortcut which is yes. Forest Road and we cut it cuts to Charlotte walking up Forest Road. Yep. So they're it's kind of like doing the same thing um, Not exactly. in two different time periods. I'm going to I'm going to um I'm going to, not yes and, I'm going to no but you here. Okay. <laughs> Forest Road is actually the road that um, that everybody's taken, that Egon picks up Jonas on, that um, the they pick up that wildlife, um, Charlotte picks up that wildlife camera footage from. That's all Forest Road. The road that she's okay, on right was now thinking... is like just like a utility um, back road. It's just like a like a utility, you know. That's like a mud road. It's not like a road that you would be able to take from work. Like Helge wouldn't take that muddy road down like the power lines to go home. He would okay. take forest. See, road. I thought I thought it was because Egon t- turns off of the main road and takes the shortcut, mm-hmm. and then Charlotte was also taking a side road. So I thought right. those two were the same roads, but um, maybe not. That's just my head cannon. is that this is just like a utility, because every utility line, power lines, I do, I do water utilities, I'm very familiar with these roads. They're, mm-hmm. You can see them on Google Maps, but they're not like marked as roads, where I think like Forest Road is the road along the forest, the State Road is like the highway, like we don't ever see that because nobody takes the State Road. Mm-hmm. Except for Helge, allegedly one night, and we know that's a lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or we don't we suspect that's a lie I should say so following this um, well okay yeah this sort of takes away from my from my theory but I guess I thought that she was she was taking Forest Road to 
see where it led, but I guess she just sees this back road then and decides to walk down it. Um, yeah, just see like anytime somebody drives down here, where do they go? Let's let's find out. Yeah, and she finds the gate on the side of the power plant where Claudia visited yeah. so long ago with Burned. <laughs> this is where the women spelunk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was like, was this equipment just sitting there or did she just happen to have it in the car? That was, I don't know, it was like. Yeah, me and Heather laughed at this scene and again, we're just gonna have to take it like that that yeah, Sunday yeah. thing. It's a suspension of disbelief. I mean, it's there's no way this she could do that without somebody on top helping her out. And she's obviously by herself. So this yeah. is kind of like a non-starter here. <laughs> So she descends into the caves and finds the spot where the wall of yellow barrels used to be. Right, I was afraid she was gonna find them. <laughs> she does, yeah, she doesn't find them, but she finds these pieces of brightly colored yellow. Evidence. Shrapnel. Yeah. Or whatnot. Yeah, scrapings from the barrel, like just paint shavings from the side of the barrels where they got shifted around. Mm-hmm. And then she finds a metal door like the one that Ulrich found, but uh, it's probably a different door since yeah. this is a different entrance than Ulrich used. Absolutely, but it's interesting that there's multiple doors installed, like not just Jonas's special door that we all know about now, but there's you know these actual doors that like are industrial doors, like with the door mm -hmm. stoppers on the bottom and everything. So these are power plant yeah. doors here. And as she pans down, like visually with the on the door, right? Like you said, there's a lo a lock, but there's also looks like I don't know burn marks mm -hmm. or something, you know, like black on the where the door and the door jam come together. Yeah, it looks like it's blackened, um, like maybe burnt or something. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't either. My first viewing, mm -hmm. I thought. I immediately thought, oh, that's the door that Ulrich was trying to like get in. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously that was a wrong thought, but that's what I was thinking those black marks were where he like put his crowbar and like messed up mm -hmm. the door. But I think you're right. I think it was like some kind of burn mark or some kind of like um, chemical, like, you know, like a chlorine and like OP37 will leave like residuals, like if it, you know, is up against something, so could be like a chemical yeah. residual of some sort. So Jonas arrives at the hospital and asks to speak to Inez Conwald. Her co-worker says she's outside with the little boy. <laughs> and he says, what little boy? And this, you know, this is another thing where it just sort of suspend disbelief because I really don't think you would answer questions like this in yeah. a hospital, but <laughs> I think there's more security protocols now than there was in 1987. So this seems odd to us that she'd say <laughs> the little boy and, you know, the other nurse, she feels suspicious since they still aren't really sure who this little boy is. So she starts to be a little more edgy about answering these questions. Right. And he tells her that he's that Inez is part of his family. Um, so she ends up telling him where he can find her and he rushes off. Correct. I actually don't have any notes for that scene. I think that's just a standalone paragraph. Mm -hmm. You did it, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> I have no jokes. <laughs> oh, dang. Okay. Um, so Ulrich 
takes it upon himself to go question Helg. Oh God, at, this scene. <laughs> yes, yes. After after Charlotte told him, "Slow your roll, Auric." Helg s dement. Um, you know, Auric still decides he's just gonna use his. Detective instincts that you complimented before, Steve. <laughs> I'm not complimenting him here. He's 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 a wild card in this this part. Um, so yeah, Auric wakes him up, and <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm giggling. It's just such like an awkward just, bad scene. It's so unprofessional. Yeah. Um, so he basically makes him wake up, and. Helg reacts very violently to the sight of Ulrich. Immediately, yes. His heart starts going yeah. up. Yeah. And then Ulrich begins to just rapid fire question him about why didn't you go to your appointment? And why didn't you take Forest Road? And Helg is saying, it's him. It was him. I know right. you. And uh, finally, an employee of the of the nursing home comes in and stops Ulrich from being able to continue in this line of questioning. But when he says, you know, it's him, it was him, I know you, this sets off Ulrich and yes. he grabs Helg and starts, <laughs> um, starts like yelling, um, where's my son, where's Mickle? Um, the nurse comes in and El and Helg says, I can change it. I can change the past and the future. Mm, I believe him. I mean, <laughs> we've, we've seen him like as a little kid in that weird room. You were speculating when that was. We don't know when that was. Mm -hmm. We know he's slipping in and out of time. So I believe him, except for he's dement. Don't you know this, mm -hmm. Ulrich? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I can understand why Ulrich would latch on because when he says, I can change the past and the future, he's just like, what do you mean by that? You know, th that must mean you're guilty. That must mean you're guilty. He doesn't view it as maybe, maybe Helg can help me. He views it as admission of guilt. I like how his heart rate started going up before Ulrich started flipping out. So he was already immediately at the sight of his face was starting to freak out and mm -hmm. you know Helge's we haven't seen his heart rate race like this by seeing anybody else like we've seen nurses come and go we've seen Peter come and go so obviously Ulrich is like a lightning rod for him mm-hmm yep He's a cop. He's like, <laughs> Helge is all like, ACAB, man. Like, <laughs> get out of here, buddy. <laughs> Helge hates cops, period. Like, he hated yeah. being questioned at the at the power plant. He doesn't want to be questioned here either. Mm, yeah. So at the hospital in 1986, Jonas walks outside. Okay, this is the scene. The scene of the, of the episode, probably, yep. right? <laughs> He walks outside and he finally sees Mikkel and the way that they do it is, you know, we have, we see Inez like, she walks out, she's sort of covering Mikkel with her body. Right. And then when she moves to the side, then he finally gets a look and he sees Mikkel sitting there on the bench with his little foot cast and, oh, he looks so, he looks so innocent and sweet here. You know, Mikkel is just, <laughs> um, 
and he's so, warm, he's warmed up yeah. to Inez now. There, you can see them over there. Like while this whole scene's going on, they're at the mm-hmm. bench, oblivious, just having a ball, like having lunch and talking. So he's talking to her now. So you know, yeah, he gives her, and he's. She says, she says something like, "I found another one," and she presents him with something. I didn't really get a chance at what that was, but they're you know they're enjoying a moment together. And yeah. She's finding ways to make him smile and to make him make him happy. Um, so he's very Jonas is very taken aback to see this, and he's momentarily sort of frozen. It's um, confirmation, like what the letter said. It's complete mm-hmm. confirmation. Yeah. So he's then interrupted by the stranger. Ike Larson, as you would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, he, the stranger eight. just kind of shows up at the, behind a van like, hello, I am here, and just starts a topic mid-sentence. I have a theory about that. Should I go ahead and say it now? Because Yeah, sure. When um, Jonas went into the cave, we saw the stranger up there by a tree, like writing his little notebook, looking at his time. Knowing, so this dude is like watching Jonas and like timing him, helping him along Mm -hmm. the way. And it seems Mm -hmm. like he knows where he's going to be at certain times. I mean, he's a time traveler. The stranger is right. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, he, he knew where Jonas was going to be the moment that he, that that happened. So that's, you know, because we saw him doing that. That's not a theory. He knew where he was going to be and he had, (laughs) he he knew where he was going to be and he had the means to, to get there. Exactly. Yes. Um, so yes, here's the proof that the stranger knows more than he's letting on. So Jonas reacts to the stranger's presence with surprising calmness. I felt like he wasn't like, "What are you doing here?" Um, you know, he doesn't. He's not like a helg here. He's just like he thinks this might be proof that he's crazy. Well, he's out of his element right now, and yeah, yeah. he does question that he could, it might be hallucinating, but he's not too surprised because he's just already shocked as it is. So what's one more shock on top of another? Mm-hmm. So he thinks maybe he's crazy just like his father. Oh, yeah, that's right. And the stranger says that however hard it is to accept, that is your father. Right. And then um, Jonas starts... Connecting the dots, <laughs> right. shall we say, <laughs> about the other facts that arise out of this, that Ulrich is his grandfather and Martha is his aunt. Right. That's like a Game of Thrones moment there, because we had like Jon Snow with Daenerys Targaryen <laughs> to turn out to be his aunt. And this is about the exact same time that this okay. aired, that was being mm-hmm. aired. So, yeah. And that means that Magnus is his cool uncle, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. good news right there. His thought is, I have to put all this mess right. And I will do that by taking Mickle back to oh, my time. Right. <laughs> but the stranger stops him and gets the most animated we've ever seen him yet. He's oh, basically whisper yelling, whisper yelling in his face. Yeah. And saying, if you intervene, he won't meet your mother and you will not be born. And every decision for is a decision against. I mean, it seems, okay, we got a great paradox here because it seems like mm-hmm. he could 
run up to Mickle. Hey, it's me, Jonas. You know, I got stuck here too, but I know how to get back. Let's go, buddy. <laughs> and then they go back. Like, yeah. Would would like the moment that they step through? Would he like disappear like Michael J. Fox and like you know Back to the Future? Like, have they seen Back to the mm. Future? Do they know what happens? I mean, <laughs> I'm sure Jonas has seen Back to the Future by this point. Um, but yeah, the, it makes me very curious what would happen if if what the stranger is saying makes solid sense, and I believe the stranger. But at the same time, it makes me curious, like if Jonas had coaxed Mickle back with him. Mm-hmm. What would have trans? I mean, I know our show would have been over. Our show would have been different at that point, I guess, because it didn't happen. But um, it's something that could absolutely could have happened. Absolutely, it could have happened. I think, and it would have screwed things up, I guess, because the stranger says you're messing with things you shouldn't mess with. So yeah, maybe that's the warning. Maybe the stranger is like knows something that we don't. Yeah. Well, I hope What's he does. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting like conundrum right because yes if Mikkel never met his mother Jonas would not be born and therefore the um, the stranger um, um, well okay this is what I'm saying <laughs> yes he, it, Jonas would not be born right and then um, that would so that would be sad for him because he'd no longer get to continue his existence. But does that does that mean um, philosophically you mm-hmm. could say yes? Was well, that but is that the right thing to do? You and know, n- not very many people have the maturity to say like yes, life would be better if I didn't exist. So I'm going to set this <laughs> right. I'm going to make sure Mickle gets home, hell or high water. I mean, it seems like if you're like an honorable person, it seems like you would want to do that for the sake of Martha and for the sake of Mikkel's parents and everybody who's worried about him back in 2019. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's what you would want to do. But yeah, yeah it's a bit. It kind of reminds me of that butterfly. Remember the butterfly effect? Absolutely. Um, you know, Ashton remember Kutcher. that movie? <laughs> yeah. And um, he has to be like, he has to come to the realization mm-hmm. that I love this person so much and it's better if we never meet um in that in that situation he's able to kind of still pass her on the street every once in a while but yeah it's i think that you know he's they've set up an impossible situation here for Jonas, where he really has no choice Mm -hmm. i mean he does have to make a choice because the stranger said every decision for is a decision against and what will you choose and so he puts this giant responsibility smack dab at at Jonas's feet and says all right it's up to you um yes you can do this but what will the what will the impact be are you really ready for those ramifications right he ended that conversation he being the stranger ended that conversation terribly you don't end the conversation with this riddle and then a question and then run away (laughs) I mean it seems like the, the the conversation should be ended like Okay, Jonas, do you understand everything I just told you? Do you get mm-hmm. it? Okay, I'm. you're going back? Okay, okay. Instead of this riddle, like, what are you going to do? And then, disip- then he, like, disappears mm-hmm. off into the mist to leave Jonas crying with a big fat tear in his eye. Oh, man, <laughs> Jonas is crying. I don't like it. <laughs> um, 
So back in 2019, Charlotte and Ulrich talk at the station. She's uh-huh. decided to suspend him for now. And he just keeps repeating that Helg was responsible. He tells her everything Helg said. And, you know, Charlotte sends him home and he gives one more tidbit. Why not Forest Road? That's what Egon wanted to ask Helg. Right. So even though she's told him to take <laughs> take a couple weeks off, he's still like, oh, and another thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is what we would expect of Ulrich. He's only doing what we expect of him. We can't fault him for that. <laughs> but she takes that. She takes that um, Forest Road question and she packs it away and she's going to mm-hmm. she's going to forward it later. So in 1986, Hell gets into his car. He opens the glove department Mm-mm. and finds a radar Mm-mm. can radar candy bar wrap candy bar and takes a bite. Aha. I mean, come on. <laughs> Held. I mean, if we if we if we had any suspicions here, it's kind of like Peter with the red dirt, you know, like That's right. <laughs> yeah, and that ugly coat. I mean, what coat? Did you get a load of that coat he was wearing? No. Oh my gosh, you should rewatch it again. It's like such a bad <laughs> cut. It's a bad design. It's ill-fitting and it looks like it's made out of like an old sofa or something. It's <laughs> That alone would make him guilty, in my opinion, just that jacket. But the Raider candy bar, yeah, that's like his calling card. And um, mm-hmm. not a smart dude, it seems like. Well, we're, his fashion his fashion lets us know he doesn't know a lot about how to dress <laughs> right. for the ladies. Uh, but I really like the song here they used, which is called Cow Song, for some reason. Right. Meredith Monk and Colin Walcott. <laughs> This reminded me, I don't know, this reminded me a lot of the the song we had in 1899 where it was about, they were talking about that um, Danish tradition of opening the window until your soul can leave. Mm-hmm. That sort of funeral dirge song okay. that they, they played. It kind of reminded me of that. It's not the same artist, obviously. Uh, it was a wordless song. I just, I liked that song. It was very... I don't know, kind of mysterious and thoughtful. Yeah. When they got Egon, he's more of like a pop dude. He's always listening to pop music in the background. Like when he was um, riding with Jonas, <clears throat> I didn't mention mm-hmm. that, but yeah, they were listening to like a, a really bubblegum pop song, like a, you know, a classic German pop song in his car. He loves to groove out to the pop music. And I guess Helge is more of an instrumental type of dude, I suppose. <laughs> Well, I don't think it was. I don't think that was music he was listening to. I think that was, um, oh, you know, it was okay. non-diegetic music. But okay, I gotcha. But yeah, this. <laughs> but yeah, that was. <clears throat> yeah, it was like Egon's always listening. Like when he was listening, making that report about the sheep, the thirty-three mm-hmm. sheep. He was listening to some music in the office. That's really funny. I remember. <laughs> um. Okay, so we cut to teenage Katerina at the station, and she's telling Egon that Ulrich didn't force himself on her and that she pressured him to get condoms and that it was really her idea. Egon doesn't really believe her and asks her why she has the black eye. And she says, I fell. 
Not a good lie. It's a terrible lie. <laughs> it really is. And it looks, it makes Ulrich look yeah. bad here. It really does. Yeah. And the camera cuts to teenage Ulrich sitting in his cell. Yep. I didn't so, really have any other yeah. notes for that scene other than what I just said. Just Ulrich mm -hmm. looks very guilty to Egon and he's, Egon's really persistent about getting Ulrich for this one. Yeah. It's the old, I fell off my bike routine <laughs> that all the kids like. She even has a moped, so she, you know, or a scooter or something, so she could use that. <laughs> I mean, she should have said she got in a fight yeah. with somebody. And, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. that would have been a bet. That would have been a more believable story, in my opinion. Yeah. I was beating up on Regina, your granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so in 2019, then after that, we had we were looking at teenage Ulrich. We now are looking at adult Ulrich mm -hmm. in 2019. He arrives home to find Katarina sitting alone downstairs. And this is, you know, this is such a cool cut as well, because we just saw Katarina defending him. And now they cut to this conversation between Ulrich and Katarina's adults. Yes. And she finally tells him she knows about his affair with Hannah. Oh, the last thing yeah. she says in 1986 is Ulrich would never hurt me. Then it cuts to oh, 1986 and okay. she's sitting there looking pretty hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, she, he starts to explain and she counters with, please don't. Yeah, you don't. That's, <laughs> that's a bad yeah. move, Ulrich. Because he says, let me explain. Explain what? Like, no, well, yeah, Ulrich. Exactly. No. <laughs> what will you explain? Um, you see, and she Hannah's really hot. has to. She's really yeah. hot. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me just explain how hot she is to you. <laughs> yeah. So before leaving the house, or at least leaving the room, Katarina says also that Yana called to talk about Mads. And <laughs> that, you know, her son is missing, but all Yana can talk about is is Mads. And yep. she says that she thought her family were the assholes. Oh, yeah. Um, you caught that, too. Uh, so obviously, I, I'm thinking that, that her black eye in 1986 is a family affair. Is, is, that's a what I think. Affair. OK. Yeah. I think somebody in her family who's an asshole might have clocked her. That's just my suspicion right now. I don't know. So what did you what did you think about this scene? Did you like how Katarina confronted Ulrich? I mean, yeah, this scene was super powerful and it made me think um, that Ulrich, the actor playing Ulrich might be a stage actor. Um, the way his body language was, uh, the way his motions were, like trying to you know, trying to grab her and then like being rejected and she doesn't want to, him to touch her and, and like his body language when every time that she mentions like, I know, or Hannah's name comes up, he just shrinks into himself even more. Um, so yeah, I really, I really like this confrontation. Uh, I'm glad mm -hmm. it's out on the table now. Um, I don't know yeah. where they're going to go from here, but it's 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 better that they're talking about it now, but yeah. Katarina, I mean, you, she's been like in quite a state <laughs> ever since her boy has been missing, and yeah. um, you know, I guess she's just she's had it at this point, and 
I don't know what spurned her to like actually, I guess maybe it was the phone call with Hannah. Was that the last thing we saw before this scene? I think maybe that yeah, confirmation. She makes, she makes the phone call. She waited until she had some good confirmation mm-hmm. to bring it up with him. And, you know, that's right, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in Yellow Jackets, Shauna thought Jeff was having an affair, but Jeff was not having an affair the whole time, you know? So you never know. I haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't seen yellow. I know jackets, you haven't. That's why I love to bring up specifics about it. <laughs> but she also says something like, "I think I've always suspected." Um, so that was hmm. Katarina says that. Okay. So she's she's suspected this affair, but she sort of was in denial and didn't didn't want to believe it. I thought that was interesting because you had mentioned even back. The fact that she like sniffs Ulrich's uh-huh. sweatshirt, yeah, um, but she doesn't. You know, she just kind of folds it and put it puts it on the back on the chair. She's not going to bring it up. She doesn't even, fixate on it, but she's suspicious. Yes, yeah. yeah. But just like with so, Ulrich, I, like she's unlayer, she's unpeeling onion layers, and she's finding more and more the deeper she goes. Yeah, I think after you know in the last episode, Katarina got um, one of our worst characters. I can't remember. One of us gave it to Ulrich and one of us gave it to Katarina. That's right. But yeah, she was beating up on, um, Mm. she was beating up on Regina. And so, yeah, we both hated her last episode. (laughs) But this episode definitely makes me sympathetic for her because I liked how she confronted him. It was very no nonsense, no bullshit. And she did it very dignified and wasn't, all weepy and how could you do this to me she's just like very disengaged very cool as a cucumber about the whole thing that's true you're right last episode she was she was wilding out and she's (laughs) lucky she's not in jail i mean she really is lucky she's not in jail and I'd, i'd actually forgotten all about that because you know, I'm going episode by episode here. I'm, mm-hmm. view, I'm viewing her a little differently this episode. But yeah, never forget that, that she was wilding out on Regina. <laughs> so then back in 1986, Jonas comes back into the hospital and sees Mikkel at the vending machine. He seems almost ready to approach him again, yeah. <laughs> but stops when Hannah comes down the hall. And he's watching his parents as they have this conversation. They're that is either he can't really hear them or he's the way it's filmed is you can't hear their words. That's he's right. just watching how they interact and how Mickle shares his candy bar with Hannah and they're meat cuting all over the place. And mm-hmm. Mickle's actually almost before Hannah was the one sort of driving the conversation. And this time Mickle is the one that says hi to her and they seem to be chatting and getting along really well. And then there's this flashback of the words the stranger says, and Jonas ends up just leaving without saying anything to them. So watching history be made right there in the hallway. And yeah, she, that's the thing that sticks out to, in Hannah's mind is that he had a broken leg. Mickle did, because that's what Mm -hmm. she tells Jonas. She doesn't really say much else. She just says he had a broken leg and he was like limping (laughs) limping huge down the hallway there his hair was all flopping because he was not doing great with his crutches but yeah that's probably why she remembers him with a broken leg as he was hobbling all over the place they're adorable both of them are adorable Mm -hmm. i love these kids (laughs) playing them 
2019, Ulrich has gone to his mother house, mother's house, and he asks Yana if she would want to know what happened to Mads. And she tells him no. She likes imagining him still alive and free somewhere. That it was Tron's idea to purchase that grave marker because he thought it might give her some peace. But she doesn't really, even though she goes there to visit, right? Um, she doesn't really want to know what happened to his body. She'd rather get to just keep imagining that he's still out there somewhere enjoying life. That makes sense, and, except for it doesn't make sense, uh, yeah. the fact that she keeps visiting his grave and putting the figures on it. That That's confusing. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. But but yeah, she, she says some other interesting stuff to him here, so I'll let you continue. Yeah, well, I think it gets into that thing, you the song lyrics you mentioned about never saying goodbye. Um, she wants to keep their relationship alive and is... I don't want to use the word pathetic, but I can't think of another word. It's it's like not it's pathetic or um, it's a not much of a relationship to have a one sided relationship with somebody's grave marker. But she has the idea of him still alive. The grave says infinity on it. Okay. So he's not really dead. Okay. But it's her way of sort of engaging with him to know that he's infinitely out there. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, she he finally asked what she wanted to tell him, and she mentions that a week before Matt disappeared, she saw a priest arguing with a man, and thought this was really odd that to see a priest because I guess priests never argue. They never um, do. They're <laughs> godly figures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they never get mad at all of anything. Okay, so. Um, now in 2019, that was back in 1986, now it's 2019, and she saw the same man. And Ulrich thinks she's talking about the priest, and she said, no, not the priest, the other man that he was arguing with, but he didn't look any older, and he had a weird mark in his ear. And as she's sharing this information, the screen cuts to this, uh, middle-aged Helg who's going into the hatch with his raincoat. Another bingo. We are like, mm -hmm. okay, so every time mm -hmm. we've seen somebody dragging bodies around with that green mm -hmm. raincoat, it's been Helge this whole time. It's been middle-aged Helge. Mm -hmm. So it made sense to me that she saw the priest, just like Ulrich. I was like, oh, you saw the priest. Okay, that makes sense because we saw him at both times too. Oh, so mm -hmm. now you're saying Helge is also the same age in both times. Similar to our boys Jonas and uh, Mikkel now too. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, yeah. <laughs> time traveling Helge, I guess, right? Yeah, so Helge is going into these time periods. Um, he was, he had, when he approached Yasin, remember he mm -hmm. says, Noah sent me? Yep. Um. So yeah, and he's yeah, yeah he's trying to push this time traveling crap on Claudia too, because he gave Claudia that time traveling book at one point in episode two or three. Hmm. Yes. So he's trying to lure her in here. I don't know, man. Hellgate, <laughs> keep to yourself. I don't. I don't like <laughs> Hellgate anymore. 
lure her in like he wants to get her involved in his schemes yeah that that's what, what it mean? seems like come with me to the faraway <laughs> land and she's like no I'm hanging out with Trant he's my man mm-hmm. so did you have any other notes for this um I was gonna go into a whole thing about cremation but I don't have to we can move on <laughs> okay <laughs> um so Waller comes into Charlotte's office with a map. He was trying to find out if the cave system extended to Forest Road, and it does. In fact, that's where Helg's cabin is. And she asks him to leave. <laughs> she, Waller she's gets like, no bye. respect. He's, he's doing all the legwork here, and he's getting no respect or thanks or anything. We'll see at the end of the episode if he if he makes it to my favorite character because he deserves something. <laughs> By the end of the show, at some point, yeah, we gotta give it to our boy Waller. Um, Charlotte looks at her at her family photo where all of the Do- Doppler family are sitting in front of the cabin. Yep. Um, so then Charlotte calls Peter and asks him why Hell kept the cabin. Um, Charlotte calls Peter and asks him why Helg kept the cabin despite all that happened. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. All I mean, we know what happened to Helge when he was a little kid, I guess, right? So is that what she's referring to? What do you know? When he was, he had his face bashed in and he was in that okay. blue room. He had some kind of, yeah, he was, had some kind of. That's right there at the cabin, right? Mm-hmm. The blue room is at the cabin? Didn't didn't Charlotte find the wallpaper in the um, cabin? That was in the bunker, that was in the bunker, which is part of the cabin. It's right? on the grounds of the cabin. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like that that bunker used to have that blue wallpaper on it at some point. Maybe when right. Helgi was a little kid. Right. And um, what was my whole point? I don't know. Everything's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't saying. Well, I was just asking you to like you know elaborate in your thoughts. Right. Um, that's, I'm not saying that's, you're crazy at all. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking happened. Like that she's like, why did Helga keep the cabin after all that happened? It seems like that's the thing that happened when he was little. Right. But did, I guess, do we know oh. that Charlotte knows about that or Peter knows about it? Sh- sure. Maybe it's not that at all because Peter mm-hmm. tells her that. He had an accident, I guess, which led to his dement, or maybe, I don't know, he had some sort of accident in 1986. <laughs> <His> <laughs> I love that, the way she said it. I keep saying it. Um, so maybe whatever happens in 1986 is going to happen in a couple days here. Maybe that's what Charlotte mm-hmm. was referring to. Yeah. He seems to indicate, she asked him, like, when did Peter go to the cabin for the first time? Mm-hmm. Did Helg live there in 1986? When was his accident? And Peter seems to indicate that he says, I don't know, and tells her, I didn't arrive until 1987. Right. And so this seems to indicate to me that before 1987, he may not know a lot about Helg's backstory. Correct. But he does know that there was an accident on November 12th of 1986. November 12th, there you go. So Mm -hmm. like, today is the 9th, it's Sunday, then the next day is gonna be the 10th, then the day after tomorrow is Tuesday, the 11th, and then the 12th, the day after that. So Helge did skip out on his police appointment. He's got no (laughs) excuse. No, it wasn't because of the accident. You were trying to give him an out before? I was, I really was. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, I had another thought about what you just said too. Um, so Peter arrived in 1987. Mm-hmm. So. We don't know where he was prior, obviously. I, I hope we find out. Uh, maybe he was adopted, or maybe he was just living with his mom somewhere else, and then he comes and lives with Helg, I guess. Yeah. I don't know the answers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. But I, I guess what I was taking from that, when you say, when you say all that happened, mm-hmm. um, you were bringing up things that happened when he was a little kid. This makes me think, Peter may not know a lot about his backstory. It's almost like, well, until I showed up, dad didn't exist or, you know, I guess adopted father or whatever. Um, but Charlotte's so, I mean, casual think, mention of all that happened means that they that he does know something. Yeah. Well, my thought is that when, my thought is with all that happened, it might be related to this accident. Okay, yeah, that makes Which is obviously sense. wouldn't be the same as the accident when he was a little boy. There's, there's a different accident, so maybe um, there's something traumatic that happens in, on November 12th. That didn't occur to me until we were recording, so that just happened in real time. So at first <laughs> I was thinking that all that happened was when he was a little boy. Yes, in real time mm-hmm. we, uh, we figured it out, <laughs> or at least you helped explain it to me, so thank you. Yeah, and Peter asked her to come home for the sake of the kids and then also says I'm worried about you and Charlotte just hangs up the phone (laughs) just like hanging up on Waller same with Mm -hmm. Peter she's shutting everybody out she's focused I'm working here y'all leave me alone (laughs) I mean she's like a character that like I want to like a lot more but I mean she's she's so busy and so focused it's hard to like um to get a get an affection for her, you just kind of admire her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you um, want to like her. What's that? I said you want. I think you want to like Charlotte in yeah. general. There's no reason not mm-hmm. to. I don't see any reason not to. But at the same time, she's not like a big warm embrace. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Peter, though, like Peter, obviously knows something about all this too, because he's been acting shady this whole time. Um. Mm-hmm. I'm almost think, you know, this is a good time to speculate as any because this is a podcast. So sure. I'm almost thinking that Helge is like the quote unquote bad guy here. Like he's dragging all the kids around, although it seems like he's doing it reluctantly because he seems upset about it. But, you know, I'm sure John Wayne Gacy probably cried sometimes, too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, so Helge is like our, our guy that we're eyeballing here. But then we know Peter and Trant are up to something. So it's like I was thinking this episode, perhaps like Peter knows something that he's not telling Charlotte, but he knows a piece of information that he's trying to handle himself. Like mm-hmm. he knows that Helge is doing some crazy stuff. So him and Trant are down there keeping track and they're trying to be renegades and trying to like, I don't know, do something that they're not telling the police about, but not nefarious. It's not like they're kidnapping and killing boys and putting them in the chair. Maybe they're trying to prevent that somehow. That's what I'm guessing based on this new Helge information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, we know that Helg is involved at least to, in some extent to the actual 
disappearance and death of these boys. He's an accomplice for sure. Yeah, yeah. Whether a reluctant <clears throat> one or not, he's an accomplice. But yes, you did bring up the fact that, which which I didn't say, which is when you we do see him in this raincoat, he's dragging a body, the body of Yasin. Right. And he seems very upset. Yeah. About what he's doing. Yes, he does. Not um, loving it. I don't love it either. So mm-hmm. we're, in, <laughs> we're of the same mind there, Helg. Yeah. Did you want another break before we conclude? Yes. One more break and we will come back with the conclusion of our episode. One more word from our sponsors. Not really. (laughs) All right. Back with Sweet Child of Time, episode seven. We're talking about Crossroads. Where did we leave off, Lindsay? Where are we at right now? Ulrich leaves his mother's house and he drives near the forest and he finds this yellow token on the floor. Oh, right. And remembers what Mickle said on the day he went missing. The question isn't how, but when. Right. That makes sense to him now, talking to Helge uh-huh. about the past and the future. Yeah, yeah. So he has a light bulb moment. <laughs> <laughs> we now have our montage of images Charlotte walks down to the bunker. Jonas goes back through the Sigmundus door in the cave. Mm-hmm. Mikkel cuddles the art emerald tablet art in his <laughs> hospital room. Yep. <laughs> Egon sits in the station. Teenage Ulrich is in the cell, and old Helg gets up from his bed. Charlotte finds a piece of the blue wallpaper in the bunker under the bed. And lastly, Jonas walks out of the cave back in 2019. Um, I, I think this seemed to indicate, which you already said, Steve, but just to make sure that bunker used to be the blue wallpaper room. Yes. Um, Perfect cover. Yeah. Which kind of answers that question. You had you said in an earlier episode, you were thinking maybe Charlotte would was about ready to find something, thinking right. maybe it was the room. Mm-hmm. But that is the room. It's just that it's been stripped of the decorative stuff. I wrote like a bunch of exclamation points right there because I was very happy that Charlotte went back to the bunker and continued looking. <laughs> just like I want her to go back to that cave and spelunk down, I want her to open that door and I want her to see what's on the other side. That's what I want her to do next. But yeah. she did good here. She did good. Yeah, you keep wanting somebody to find the blue wallpaper room so that <laughs> the kids will stop being tortured. Oh, the so, wind, the wind tunnel. Oh, um, the wind yeah, tunnel. we see all the wind come around when Jonas goes through. We're glad he mm-hmm. went through the right door because wasn't there like a like a fork in the road? He obviously found his way back. I guess he followed the red string, yeah. right? He found his way back with the red string, yeah. Good boy, okay. So Jonas is next to Hannah's bed, and (laughs) she wants to know what- What a way to wake up. (laughs) You wake up and your son's just sitting there, yeah. Blankly Um, staring at you, menacingly. (laughs) Do you believe in fate? (laughs) That's the first question. (laughs) She asks where he's been, and Jonas is, just basically like, yeah. And Hannah says she doesn't know. Maybe it's her fate to be left by men. And That's sad, yeah. Yeah. Jonas says, I think Papa loved you very much. 
Yes. And this makes Hannah cry, and Jonas gives her this hug, and she... You would think she'd never received a hug in her life because she yeah. doesn't seem to know how to react to this. He's no Magnus, you know? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> You got to think what you can get, though, Hannah. You know, your son wants to hug you. You should hug him back. I I don't know why she's resistant here. It seems like she was really trying to reach out to Jonas for uh, for a couple episodes there. But then she just kind of backed away, I suppose. Um, But, yeah, this is like a big thing for her to, you know, find comfort in someone who loves her for who she is. I'm getting the sense that maybe physical affection isn't something that's a regular part of this family's life. And hmm. so to have him hug her okay. must be, it seem like it's an odd thing. Like it's not something they go into naturally. Oh, right. So it makes me think maybe they don't hug very often. You know, dad was emotionally unavailable. Probably mom is too. Um, she was know, hugging Ulrich a lot. She and Ulrich did a lot of hugging. When it comes like so, there are people that it's there are people that it's only they're only able to accept affection when it comes with sex, you know. Right. So that's that's my interpretation of that. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, yeah. Before we go on, we're talking about Michael, who used to be Mickle, mm-hmm. and you were saying he was hugging that emerald tablet picture in his room. Mm-hmm. So um, that. That spoke to him. You don't go around taking pictures off walls. So obviously that emerald tablet tablet spoke to him, even though he had no idea what it was. He's an 11 year old boy that just came from 2019. So it's not like he, he, he's been time traveling and he has some knowledge that we don't. He's a little kid, but for some reason he stole that picture and he loved it. He was drawn to it for some reason. It reminded mm-hmm. me of the wheel of time and there's a character named Matt and he, um, has lived many lives and he's, you know, you're supposed to like when in reincarnation in this world, you forget all your old lives, you wake up new. For some reason, like Matt, all his old past lives and all of his future lives and everything, he was like getting like little glimpses of them um, early on in the books. And um, he shouldn't have been, you know, other people started getting these glimpses later on when they realized, you know, why, but he was getting them from the get go. And it made, this is what Nickel made me think about Matt from Wheel of Time for that reason, because um, we know now that this Emerald tablet is important. You know, we're seeing Mm -hmm. it back in what, 1953, tattooed on somebody's back later, spoiler alert. And, so obviously that, that tablet, that image is something. Mikkel knows nothing about it, but he's drawn to it. Mm. Well, I wondered if he saw it in the caves, like if he saw the image in the caves. He must have gone through the door, right? Yeah, like um, maybe, yeah, maybe he went through the doors. I didn't even think about that. Source. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe he somehow stumbled on that door. He got lost in the, he didn't have a light like Jonas did. Jonas had a light so he could see that, you know, he could see where he was going and stuff. Mikkel was just, I guess, fumbling. I, yeah, that's, that's I, yeah, a great Yeah, we don't call. really know. We don't, we haven't been shown yet 
how Mikkel came to this time. So I think that it's still it's still to be determined. But it made me wonder. I wondered wonder why he was so drawn to this image. Maybe it could be that because he associates this image with the way to get home. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for us, the viewer, that's an obvious parallel for him though. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's remarkable. Yeah. So Ulrich arrives back in Helg's room. Oh, he's gone back. <laughs> he's gone back to the scene of the crime, Steve. He's driven. And it's nighttime. And somehow he snuck in without being detected. The security is tight and winded. Helg is not in his room, but on Helg's nightstand, he finds one of those figurines that is made of nuts, uh-huh. a copy of A Journey Through Time, and a one fennec coin on a red cord, like the one found on the dead body. All the clues. Hellgate's yeah. got all the clues right there. <laughs> <laughs> so it is like the game the game of clue. You know, he has all the he has all the cards. Yeah. The correct cards that we need. Ulrich notices the windows open and sees Helg running off into the night. And Ulrich follows from a distance and realizes Helg is going to the caves. He calls Charlotte and yes, gets her eat her voicemail. And leaves a frantic message that he was right, but mm-hmm. Helg did the crime in 1986. Yes. So it's like Mikkel has taught Ulrich how to do that, how to like, you know, play the game of like, it's not where, but when. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of cool that like, you know, Mikkel kind of led him to that line of thinking in a, in a small way. Time crime. <laughs> Time bandits. <laughs> That's right. Um, it's a new kind of criminal investigation is needed. Oh, thought crimes, like that Tom Cruise movie, whatever movie that was. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the Minority Report. There you go. So inside the cave, Helg walks to a box and finds a lantern. The screen then cuts to middle-aged Helg coming out of the hatch. So it's a neat little parallel here. Right. He looks down to see the body of Yassine. Okay, I guess that didn't happen till this scene. That's I already fine. said this before, but <laughs> he okay. um we know that because of his clothes because this was Yassine's outfit. Right. And around his around Yassine's neck is a one fennec coin on a red cord. And uh Helg looks very torn up about this whole thing, but he drags the body away. And then we see a man with the emerald tablet back tattoo using a scrub brush to mop the floor (laughs) down in the bunker. Yep. And it's our hot priest, Noah, shirtless. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. I wasn't positive, but it looked like him. Without his hat, I couldn't tell. (laughs) And without the priestly garb, yeah. That's an awesome tattoo. I love this tattoo. I mean, he's a dedicated man here i love the tattoo and um okay so we know it's yazin like you said because of his clothes you got to mention his eyes were burnt out too Mm -hmm. like our classic burnt out eyes um so on the wall of the bunker i finally Mm -hmm. figured it out what it says up there like in those letters where we were trying to figure out what it said and i thought it said dresden 
what it actually says is um, six, and then it says in um, German persons. So it's a six person bunker is what it is. Um, Cause the letters up there are P E R S O U E N, which is German for people or persons. Hmm. So okay. that's what the writing on the wall is. But then we see our man write some dates on the wall mm-hmm. and it's not May 11th and it's not September 11th that he writes because we're American. So we look at those dates and <laughs> we read them backwards, but it's really what November 9th and November 5th and November 9th. There you go. 1953. That's a long time ago. That's not 1986. That's 33 years before 1986, if I do my math correctly. Yeah. That's um, that's interesting. 33 again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think there's a coincidence? <laughs> so, yeah. Wrap up here. I just, you know, about the episode in general, I think that we had this hope that Jonas could grab Mikkel and take him back to the caves and everything <laughs> would be okay. We even talked about that last episode. Yeah. That, but like the revelation that, that, that Mikkel is Michael really does make things kind of messed up. And, you know, we feel sad for Mikkel and Jonas is, chooses to leave him there. And that must, that must be a sad life. Um, and then we have these Ooh, yeah. contrasting images of of Helg as criminal and savior. So on the one hand, old Helg really wants to seem to want to right the wrongs of the past. Right. But all Ulrich sees is man he was responsible for his son's just like Egon was stuck on Ulrich being the criminal and looking in the wrong place. And there's this theme of repeating the sins and mistakes of the past. Obviously, yeah. Like with Helge, though, like, you know, he's old now. He wants to right things wrong. But, you know, that immediately makes me think about anybody who gets older and they think about their past and like, oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wiser now. I know now what I've done wrong. Um, but Helge has the, uh, the ability to, not the ability, but he knows that time travel is a thing. So his old self thinks he can go back and right the wrong, but it doesn't mean that the middle-aged Helge is an honorable person because it seems like he's in line number one to be my least, my baddest guy this episode because he's, um, I don't know, unredeemable almost it seems. I mean, he seems like he's sad about it. Even like 1986 Helge seems like he's not liking what he's doing and he wants to stop what he's doing, but he can't. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about how I've seen this show before, but I don't remember where this goes. I don't remember how this lands at all. So I'm, I'm guessing along with everyone else right now, but it looks like Helge is the guy. And he does his thing, and then he gets upset about it. <laughs> well, what about Noah? Um, I don't know yet. That's right. That's right. Noah sent me. Okay. So, yeah, Noah's, like, preparing this um, bunker in 1953 for Helge to do his thing. So maybe, yeah, he Helge <laughs> is, like, his henchman, like, his flavor flave. Like his sidekick. <laughs> it's like, go out yeah. there and do the thing and then bring him to me and then I'll take care of it from there. 
Yeah, maybe. Um, Cause he's, I mean, Noah's absolutely in there in that bunker. Yeah. 1953 is kind of early for a bunker though, right? No, they had I mean, bunkers in World War II. Isn't that Cold War? Yeah. The Cold War season was the time of the bunker, right? I guess. I mean, I'm thinking more of like nuclear because they the nuclear plant came about in 1960. So like this bunker predates it by seven years, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought was weird. The fact that the bunker is there before yeah. the nuclear plant. Plus, I guess we should throw in as a funny, like, as a fun thing about Noah. Remember, Noah is like the we, the most famous Noah of all is Noah's Ark. Right. So, is there is the is the um, is the bunker an ark? You know, of some kind or like Do, we're trying to make allowed. the bunker. Yeah, <laughs> only only six dudes. Yeah, there's no women, so I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Noah. I'm not seeing the Noah parallel at this point. I think I needed to learn need to learn about this Noah fellow a little bit more. All I know right now is he's super handsome. He's got a cool tattoo and he's a hard worker. He is he is super handsome. Unfortunately, we're just like like we're kind of like ooh, you're cleaning up the goo from from dead bodies. But at the same time, we're like, but you're so hot. Okay. Um, Two other characters I want to just, I know we're going to go into least favorite and and most favorite, but uh, I think with Hannah, I, what, I, what I thought I found was impressive about Hannah this episode, and she's only on the screen for a couple, a couple minutes, but right. I couldn't help but feel some level of sympathy for her in this episode, even though um, we've seen she's kind of a major creep. <laughs> But she has these abandonment issues, and now her son is also abandoning her um, by going off on all of these trips and escapades. He shows up every once in a while, but Hannah's basically alone right yeah. now, going through. She hasn't. We know she hasn't dealt probably with the death of her husband. She went right into a rebound or an uh-huh. affair, and so she's probably holding some some sadness in her that she's not dealing with and we get to see i feel like a slice of that in her in her one scene here yeah maybe it's like the first step towards her accepting that and facing it and overcoming it maybe this is an important step Mm -hmm. and then charlotte charlotte has a sense of duty but her duty seems to be more to her family than her duty to her job. Hmm? She, yeah, so my, <laughs> th- my thought here is she tries to thwart Ulrich's suspicions, but even she must be wondering if Helg is guilty. If not, why is she not sharing her suspicions with anyone? She doesn't tell Ulrich about the search warrant or the room in the cave she found. She explores the cabin on her own. She doesn't share any news with Waller. I feel like the conclusion I draw from all of this is that she wants to know herself what's going on before admitting anything. So I that's what I mean by that. I feel like her sense, the reason she's concealing information is because she wants to protect her family, including Helg and and by and by de facto when you talk about Helg you're also talking about Peter because mm-hmm. Peter is his son so her duty isn't seem to be to the, to the cause of you know getting to the truth 
because she's not sharing that with anyone. She's kind of holding all of her cards very close to her chest. Right. So it's almost like, yeah, when she finds out the truth, whatever the truth is, will she share it with the police or will she keep it in the family? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And she was hiding stuff from Waller when it came to Peter back in episode three, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, same deal. She has a lot from Waller. I think, I don't know, she could step him up and he could be a good partner, I think, because he seems like a really tenacious, tenacious dude that does what you ask him and sometimes might go above and beyond what you ask him. Um, yeah, I, can, I, I see what you're saying with Charlotte. I, at first, it, at, when you first said that, my immediately thought was, no, she's always at work. She's not at home. Peter's worried about her. She's, her kids miss her. But yeah, you're right. She's she's like being like the protector in like in a real distant kind of way, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do you, do you have any notes here for the end? Uh yeah, the um I wrote here is the bunker the blue room and it seems like we've both um agreed. So like my I wasn't crazy about that. <laughs> um and so it's not currently, when I say currently, I mean 2019. It's not mm -hmm. currently the blue room because Charlotte's going in there and she finds a scrap of paper. So Eric was not taken into this bunker. Eric was time traveled back to 1986 to when the bunker was blue with the blue wallpaper. And so Helge, when he was a little kid, he might've been time traveled. To 1986 some somehow that's i still can't wrap my head around that because i'm seeing mm -hmm. old hell gay in 2019 mm -hmm. but yeah i think i think the the bunker room is neat and i'm thinking about eric eric had to have time traveled as well that's kind of confirmed but they found they haven't found his body yet we saw his body we saw hell gay driving dragging eric's redhead body around but i don't think the mm -hmm. police have found it yet it hasn't been discovered yeah. Old Helge took the wrong entrance to the cave. Like, he's supposed to be going to the bunker. That's like his spot. But instead, he's going to the same part of the cave that everybody else is going to, where the, where the chair is. And it seems like he, by muscle memory, he knows where a lantern is. So, like, at first I was like, why is he going to that part of the cave? That's not like his place. But I guess it is. I mean, I guess we're going to learn more later. But I thought it was interesting that he went to that spot where the yellow chair was. And then he found a lantern. And, and then he's kind of following Jonas's footsteps. Like, they could have bumped into each other here. Like, hmm. that happened really close together. Th this is true. That it's, yeah, what was he intending to do with this trip? Yeah. And I honestly can't remember what happens next if it gets it gets interrupted. But <laughs> he didn't he didn't go to the bunker. He goes to a different room. So yeah, what was he going to do here? I don't know. Maybe go <laughs> look for some time traveling bodies. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just guessing. But I thought it was remarkable that he knows like different areas of the cave and stuff. My mm -hmm. last note here is. Um, our guy uh, Noah 
it seems like he just randomly wrote those dates on the wall. He was scrubbing and then he was like, oh yeah, as an afterthought, I better write down these dates. So he wrote down for us November 5th and November 9th for 1953. So we know it's November 9th in 1986, right about now. And we didn't mention that when Jonas went through, not only was the wind blowing, but the lights flickered everywhere across town. So that makes me think that anytime somebody goes through there, the lights are going to flicker. So maybe anytime we've seen the lights flicker, somebody's going through. Seems obvious. The stranger did it last episode. Jonas did it this episode. The night that Mickle disappeared, the lights flickered. Mickle time traveled that night. Maybe somebody else did too. Um, but it seems like that's, that's, it was obvious that it was happening at the same time. As soon as Jonas went through, lights flickered. And the reason I brought the dates up for the guy, for jo for um, Noah writing the dates on the wall is Trant and Peter, you know, continue that process of, of keeping track of dates with their cool mm -hmm. little um, <laughs> Emerald tablet book, which I'd like to get one of those little notebook with that symbol on the front of it. Um, so yeah, they're keeping track of these dates. So I guess these dates are important and they're all gonna come into play later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. Yeah, and it makes me wonder what the dates the dates are. Are these like days killed somebody? Are they days we will take them? You know, why are these dates important? Right. I'm thinking that they're time traveling dates based on Peter and Tron because they wrote down the time mm -hmm. when the lights started flickering. And when something was going to happen, they had those dates. So something happens on these dates somehow. Yeah. In November. I think that's um, I think that's my last questioning note of this episode. I believe. Yeah, that's all I got for this one. How about you, Lindsay? Did you have more um more notes for us? Are we not doing our favorite characters? Oh, geez, look at that. Yes, we're absolutely doing our <laughs> doing our favorite and least favorite characters. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. So we're doing we're doing our favorite characters right now. Yes. I am gonna do give my character of the episode to Jonas. I haven't given Jonas an award yet and I really liked him in this episode. I feel like he had a lot of things thrown at him <laughs> and um, he handled them all with grace and had to had to resist his natural impulse to to go approach Mikkel um, so I, I don't know. I feel, I feel really bad for him that he's getting all these things thrown at him is, oh, guess what? Mickle is your father <laughs> and the, your, the woman that you love is your aunt. And, um, so, and then he comes back and thinks when he could just be fixated on poor me, he goes to talk to his mom yep. because obviously it touched him a little bit to go back and see her as as a young child and um so he's trying to connect with her and so i just i thought he'd had a really strong episode this time 
I wanted to give my favorite guy to to Waller just because he doesn't get a lot of play, but I got it. I got to admit, you know, Jonas is the guy this episode. I mean, we're really focused on Hellgay, but everything you said about Jonas, I'm just gonna piggyback and just cheat, cut and paste what you said because you know Jonas did it all for us this episode. He's been my favorite character before, and he's gonna be it again now. So Jonas, you're number one. With your yellow mm-hmm. raincoat. You're the star of dark. <laughs> For my least favorite, um, I also picked the star of this episode. I picked Helg as my least favorite. Um, see, I always, I'm almost thinking of like giving like favorite characters, and not necessarily my favorite guy, but just somebody that I like. That's why I wanted to give it to Waller. That's why I gave it to the, um, what did you say her name was, who works in the autopsy lab? Cat. It's like Edie or something. Adorable name for an adorable woman. Like I wanted to give it to her one week, so I did. And for <laughs> Hellgay, it just seems like it's just a gimme. I mean, we're learning about Hellgay here and what he's done in 1986, and it's not good. So I think he deserves it this time. Um, so I'm giving my worst to Hellgay. Uh, what do you What do you <laughs> think about the uh, the least favorite or your despicable person this this week? Yeah, I mean it's 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 tough because I I don't know how to feel about Helg because <laughs> on the one hand I do know I do think he's acting really sus, but I I can't ha- I can't help but feel for him at the same time the way that he's you know so so beat up and about about doing these actions it makes mm-hmm. me feel like he doesn't really want to participate in it, but he's sort of being manipulated by a stronger person, that person perhaps mm-hmm. being Noah. Right. I feel like he's more of the henchman, like you said, <laughs> and this is sort of against your will. He's mixed up with somebody who has a stronger will than him, so he's and that he's sort of doing their bidding. But that being said, I gave my worst to Egon. Okay. And I've probably given him my worst again, but Uh, He just annoys me. He just annoys (laughs) me how he just keeps fixating on Ulrich and how he hates teenagers and he especially hates teenagers that don't like death metal. And um, and also just the way that he questions Jonas really, really made triggered me. I didn't like it. Wow. so I think, I don't know, did we see him much more than that? I don't know. I just think he's, I want to him to be better. Um, so, yeah. That is so funny. I all, He was almost in my, he was like my number three for like my favorite because this was my Egon redemption episode. This, because mm-hmm. uh, I never liked Egon either. I made it very clear I don't like the guy. And this episode, he started actually doing things that I was like, okay. He's maybe not such an asshole. Yes, he's fixated on Ulrich, but I can honestly see why. And um, I didn't think the thing with Jonas was too bad. That's just funny to me that you gave him the worst and I was mm-hmm. almost gonna give him the best just for a redemption arc. That's interesting. Well, remember remember that remember that one episode where I ended up giving Peter the worst, but it's yes. but it was almost like again. I feel like this is such a great episode that it is really hard to find a character to say you dislike in this episode. So right. don't I don't think you should see it as like mm-hmm. I really dislike Egon that much. It's just that he's the person that ra- raised my blood level the most. <laughs> um, 
I could give it possibly give it to Ulrich, but I gave right. you know, he got he got my ire last week. Um same here. Oh yeah, it was it was him. I gave it you gave it to Katarina. But Ulrich's also being a lousy detective and, and focusing and making some really crappy decisions to like go to Helg's room <laughs> and harass an old man that's hooked up to a machine. <sighs> Ulrich. Yeah. Maybe I should just give it to Ulrich. I don't know, but it's done. I gave it to Egon. But the, but again, those two are kind of, they're doing very similar things in their time periods. So. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah. I, I almost thought about Ulrich in the bad category too, but <laughs> again, he he wasn't as despicable this episode as he's as he's presented before. Um, I'd, I'd, I really wish we could have like listener guests on the show every now and then to like clue us into like what they're thinking about these episodes too. Letters, letters could work in that respect. Write us here at the podcast at sweetchildoftimepod at gmail.com or drop us a line on Reddit or Instagram or wherever. We love hearing from you because we want to hear other perspectives. I love um, telling Lindsay my theories then I can look at her face and I can see like <laughs> if she's holding something back or you know this is it's great it's a great guessing game so i want to play it with everybody um let's see i don't have anything else i wanted to plug i keep saying that that's terrible i'm going to edit that out um <laughs> we got um me over there on instagram i'm intro.void and you can find Lindsay on on instagram as well she's one of my stories that's the number one of my stories we always want you to go to oneofmystories.com and check out Lindsay's recaps and check out her YouTubes because she's got lots of YouTubes there. And she's also a film critic, y'all. So she's got lots of reviews, lots of goodies to check out. She's already checked out, what, Fast X. And she's done... I saw you did something else recently, too, that I was like, oh, she's already on to that one. What movie did you just do recently? Carmen. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you're ahead Carmen. of the game. Thank you very much. <laughs> Lindsay, one, anything else? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll fix it's it okay. in the edit. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. Lindsay, I think we're wrapping up the show. So I hope that you have the last word. Do you have anything else? Steve, I hope you have find water shade and a picture of the emerald tablet to come oh. with. I hope you find water and shade and a back tattoo of the emerald tablet. <laughs> or the man with the back tattoo. Ooh. Send him FedEx. FedEx. <laughs> Until next week. Sweet shot of time. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.